Hi, this is your host Corbin, and this is your guide for the Wachowskis' The Matrix Revolutions. Before we get into the making of the film, allow me to take you back to 2003 to remember the top movies released that year. They were Kill Bill, The Return of the King, Finding Nemo, Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl, School of Rock, Memories of Murder, Elf, X-Men 2, Too Fast, Too Furious, Daredevil, Spy Kids 3D. From that year, we have reviewed Secondhand Lions, Looney Tunes, Back in Action, and Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines. Links to those reviews are in the show notes below. If you'd like to reminisce more about the films of 2003, then head over to letterbox.com and make sure to follow me and Alan over there. Links to our profiles are below. At the 75th Academy Awards, Best Picture went to Chicago. One day before The Matrix Reloaded hit theaters, Atari, yeah, that's right, Atari, released Enter the Matrix, a video game taking place concurrently with Reloaded and acting as a bridge into some of the events in the third film. It was released on all major video game platforms and featured over an hour of original footage written and directed by the Wachowskis. Now, I think that's probably the biggest selling point of the video game is that while the Wachowskis were shooting Matrix 2 and 3, they also shot over 40 minutes of footage that are cutscenes within the video game. But this was footage from the film that actually tells a story. So it's about a length of a TV show, you know, a 45 minute TV show. It is available to watch on YouTube. I didn't watch the entire thing. Um, I did skim through bits and pieces of it. I think what most people will find interesting is the part about the Oracle. So Gloria Foster, who was the original actress of the Oracle, had actually sadly passed away due to complications related to diabetes during the production of Reloaded and Revolutions. That's why she's not in Reloaded very much, so she had to be recasted for Revolutions. I think to a lot of people that didn't play this video game and weren't plugged in, they would have been pretty surprised to see a new actress as the Oracle. Now, of course, they can easily explain that away very, very briefly. It's, it's the Matrix, you know, things happen. Nevertheless, you know, things change, but it, it's still confusing. It definitely took me off guard watching the third film. But in the video game, in the cutscenes, you find out that her change in appearance is a result as an attack on her by the Merovingian. Um, the Merovingian was facilitated by a sacrificial trade with the compassionate program Ramakandra. The Merovingian acquired the deletion codes for the Oracle's external shell, and in exchange, he gave Ramakandra's daughter, Sati, her freedom, despite her lack of purpose in the machine world. The Oracle foretells, however, that Sati will play an important role in both the Matrix and the real world. So, without getting into the movie, my full review is coming next Monday, but this is very much a bridge into what I see as kind of the first act of the third movie, or maybe even the epilogue, as I call it, of the second movie. It acts more so like an epilogue. It's it's somewhat detached. Yeah, if you're confused walking into Matrix 3, that's because you probably didn't play the video game. There are a number of other references throughout Matrix 3 that you'll hear, such as when um, Niobe says that she went to see the Oracle, you get to see that exchange here. There is a few other character moments as well that are briefly mentioned, but they are actually fleshed out in this, you know, piece of, you know, trivia only for the hardcore fans that were willing to, you know, 
purchase the game or I guess rent it for their video game console and play through the entirety of it. But that wasn't the only piece of, you know, Matrix, you know, paraphernalia that came out before the third film. Um, the Animatrix. Yeah. Have you heard of the Animatrix? That's one of those that I have seen before, actually. Um, but it is one I think a lot of people forget about. It hit DVD on June 3rd, 2003. It's a collection of nine short films. Four of those shorts were published online, um, so they were available for free. The final flight of the Osiris was actually shown before Stephen King's Dreamcatcher in theaters. Um, I do have a separate review coming for the Animatrix, so make sure you're subscribed for my full review on that coming in about two weeks. So the film did have the widest release ever, opening simultaneously in 108 territories, at least at the time it was a record. And as you know, I did bring up last week, the release of this was very, very interesting because these two films were released within like what roughly five months of each other. Audiences didn't even have to wait half a year. In fact, Matrix 2 came out May 15th. 2003 hitting that summer blockbuster window just right before it and this came out you know pre-christmas window gearing up for that november 5th 2003 so it's crazy these movies really did release within such a short time frame of each other so as of right now this is the shortest of the matrix trilogy clocking it at 129 minutes almost 10 minutes shorter than the previous film um, it doesn't really feel a whole lot shorter, but nevertheless, it is. So this film was given a $150 million budget since the Wachowskis filmed these filmed Matrix 2 and 3 at the same time. That's right. They shot these films simultaneously. So they were all, you know, doing production and whatnot. That's why production was so long on Matrix 2. Go back and listen to your guide to the Matrix Reloaded. Warner Brothers essentially gave them a $300 million budget for it not to factor in advertising as well crazy crazy numbers for an ip especially for a sequel and green light green lighting the third film at the same time this almost never happens um it has to be an enormously popular franchise which the matrix was it had developed a big following so no surprise number one at the box office opening weekend not as high as the second one but just coming in about 8 million less, $83.7 million opening weekend. Still very impressive, I would say. In fact, it beat out Elf. That's right, New Line Cinema's Elf, which is now a cherished Christmas classic, I think, for many people. Not so much The Matrix as being a cherished classic, but that's what we're going to talk about on next Monday. So beat out Elf. Elf only grows 30... Well, no, no that's good for a Christmas film. $32.1 million opening weekend. Very impressive, actually. So Brother Bear, Disney's film was knocked from second place and it's came in at number three. Scary Movie 3, believe it or not, was knocked from number one. Well, believe it or not, it was number one at a certain point. Um, knocked from number one down to number four. And um, Radio, forgot all about that film, Radio came in at number five. Um, Love Actually, for those of you that remember Love Actually, um, premiered that week at number six. 
So Revolutions didn't stay one for very long. In fact, it was knocked to number three in just its second week with a 66.1% loss. Uh, that's definitely significant, um, down to $16 million. Um, I, I should note that $48 million is factoring in all the money had made at that time. So to that date, it had already made $83.7 million. Technically, its opening weekend was 48.4, but I mean, I'm, I'm giving it all the money that it had made. But in its third weekend, only grossing $16.4 million, Elf, Elf, the word, the word got out that Elf was a smash hit. Um, Elf jumped up to number one at the box office. And then Russell Crowe's movie, um, 20th Century Fox movie, Master and Commander, The Far Side of the World, premiered at number two, knocking Matrix 3 to the third spot. Looney Tunes back in action. Yep, Alan and I have reviewed that one. I'll link to our review below. That movie premiered at number five. From there in his third week, Matrix dropped to six. Over the long Thanksgiving weekend, it dropped all the way down to number 10. Audiences just weren't interested in seeing this. The people that saw it, saw it, and the word of mouth got out. Just don't waste your time. Probably wait to rent it at Blockbuster. So over Thanksgiving weekend, Disney's Haunted Mansion pretty much crushed everything else. The Cat in the Hat also um, was in its second week at number two. Even Gothica was Warner Brothers movie in at number four. Bad Santa premiered at number five. Um, the Missing Big Kate Blanchett movie. Um, Timeline also beat this out. Um, Timeline, for those of you who remember that, Paul Walker, Gerard Butler film. Um, it's not bad, but that's saying something that it um, beat out The Matrix in just its third week over the Thanksgiving break. A lot of competition. Matrix just got swamped and didn't do very well. But overall, I'm curious, how did it do? Well, it actually did pretty well overall. Um, well, maybe I take that back. Domestically, it grossed $139.3 million, the lowest grossing in the franchise. In the foreign markets, $288 million, lowest grossing in the franchise, for a worldwide total of $427.3 million. Not bad for a $150 million budget, but this is actually the lowest grossing entry in the franchise across the board. Lower, lower grossing than the first movie. Um, the second one was huge with a worldwide total of $741 million. Sharp, sharp, sharp drop domestically from last time at $281.5 million. I mean, this is shocking because people were going crazy for Matrix Reloaded and they either didn't really have an appetite to see revolutions. It either came out too soon and it didn't allow enough anticipation to come out. Maybe a lot of people just maybe didn't even realize it was coming out since so much stuff was coming out at the end of the year. It was just going to get buried at the box office or word of mouth. You know, people, it had a strong opening and then people were just like, just wait, wait for the DVD, wait for Blockbuster. It's not worth sitting there for almost two and a half hours. Well, what did people think coming straight out of the theater? Well, they gave it a B, the lowest score in the series, a B according to Cinema Score. Um, yeah, it's just a step down, A minus for the first one, B plus for the second, and then B for this one. So that's really means it's just okay. People thought, yeah, you know, B, you, you gave it an effort. 
Um, Metascore 47. This is the first time it's actually gone into the orangish yellow area. Um, that's generally mixed reviews. Audiences were kind of split on this one. They didn't think it was all that good. Um, it has a 35% Rotten Tomatoes critic score, the worst in the franchise, a major, just a, you know, dropped like a rock to the bottom of the ocean. Um, considering the first two films were certified fresh audience score of 60% audiences were still hanging on. It's still the lowest in the franchise. IMDb rating of 6.8, which is fine ish letterbox rating of 2.9, which is pretty bad. So across the board, this performed poorly at the box office for the most part, critics and audiences alike just thought it was a stinker. They just thought it's a stinker or it's just really mediocre. Well, thank you listeners for coming along with me as I have been your guide to the production and impact of this film. Now that you have your guide to the Matrix Revolutions, make sure to subscribe to the podcast for my full review coming next Monday. And tune in the week after as we find out what new world the architect has designed for us in the Matrix Resurrections. The Silver Screen Guide podcast is edited and produced by Alan and Corbin. Intro and outro music is created by Thomas Rankin. The thoughts and opinions herein expressed are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent those held by Silver Screen Guide. Silver Screen Guide is not affiliated with any company or individual involved with the creation of this movie or TV show. No portion of the podcast may be used without express written permission from Silver Screen Guide.